What's up, coaches? Thank you for tuning in to episode number 71 of Keep Your Pads Down, the podcast devoted to defensive line play. And today is Monday, August 3rd, which means down here in Texas, if you are a coach for a 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A program, uh, like myself, we're, we're a 4A program here in Pleasant Grove, that means that today is the first day of fall camp. And look, it's been a weird offseason to say the least, right? Um, and it's been a long and twisted road to get to this point and didn't look like we were going to get to this point ever, but here we are. And, you know, it's it's a tenuous start. You know, we know that, that the rug could be jerked out from underneath us at any moment, but hey, I'm optimistic and excited to get back to work with our guys and I'm praying we get a full season in and that everyone uh, stays healthy, of course. Uh, but anyway, busy week for us here, but that doesn't mean we don't have a great episode lined up for you today. Now, what you're going to hear on today's episode is the audio from our Disrupt the Pads D-Line Roundtable discussion that went down last Tuesday night. And man, let me tell you, it was it was awesome. We had a panel of five coaches who answered questions submitted by D-Line coaches on Twitter, and our panel did an outstanding job with those questions, really knocked them out of the park. So a uh, big shout out to those guys, and a big shout out to all of you who submitted questions and to the coaches who joined us live for that event. Uh, also, I want to make sure I, 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 again, give major props to Coach Peter Noonan, uh, who did a, a lot of the grunt work in putting this thing together. And if you're a D-line coach and you aren't hopping in on the uh, Tuesday night disruption chat hosted by Coach Noonan, then you are really missing out. Also, you need to make sure that you're checking out Coach Noonan's podcast, Hanging with Coach Noonan, new episodes released every Tuesday. So speaking of Coach Noonan, let's go ahead and toss it over to him and get cranked up with episode number 71 of KYPD. All right, guys, welcome to tonight's uh, disruption chat. Normally we do this just on Twitter, but uh, given that it's it's coming towards the end of the summer uh, in terms of our, our quote-unquote off months, I know everybody's still kind of up in the air about what they're going to do and, and things of that nature. Uh, I, I wanted to put together something, um, and, and when Coach Taylor approached me about this, I, I thought it was a great idea. Um, so you know, we, we're going to have uh, – we, we we found some some wonderful guys who who took time out to uh, kind of be a roundtable uh, for us. We've got some submitted questions. Uh, we will have the opportunity uh, if time presents itself to answer questions. Um, so in just a minute, I'm going to open the chat um, as we introduce these guys. They're going to put their contact their best form of com- uh, contact in the chat, uh, and then what I'll do is after they're done, I'll draw a line. We'll start with the uh, with the questions, um, and then we'll just uh, myself and Coach Taylor will uh, will go from there. Uh, these guys saw the um, the already submitted questions, but they do not know who is uh, who's going to be asked which questions yet. So, you know, what, what the answer that you get is is, is directly off the dome, uh, and you know, just trying to coach and learn as best we can. So. Um, for those of you guys who don't know who I am, my name is Peter Noonan. I'm the defensive tackles coach at uh, Pflugerville Hendrickson. Um, I, I run Disruption Chat and the uh, Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. 
uh, I've gotten to know several of these guys um, through various clinics and interactions. Um, you know, and Coach Taylor and I um, through through learning how to podcast uh, so that I can one day be as great as he is. <laughs> well, I, I'll uh, I guess I guess that's my cue. I'll go ahead and introduce myself. And first of all, full disclosure here. Okay, so well, you know how high tech this podcast is. Um, first of all, my, my name is Coach Ty Taylor. Uh, I'm the defensive line coach at Texarkana Pleasant Grove High School, and uh, I uh, host um, the Keep Your Pads Down podcast. And um, just just to show you, Coach Noonan, I'm I'm currently in a closet that I uh, when we moved into this new house, I grabbed a hold of it before my wife could. And uh, so this is my space, okay? This is like my one space in the whole house that's mine. And it's not claimed by my kids or my wife. And um, I can scratch and, and fart and do everything I want to do in this little, you know, three by five space here. And so I don't know how high tech it is, but this is, uh, this is where the, the sausage is made right here. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, glad to have you guys uh, here. And it's nice to have some faces to put with the uh, Twitter handles that I see on these uh, on the on the disruption chat on Tuesday night, and I'm looking forward to a great discussion. Awesome, man. Uh, well, I'm going to introduce uh, the two guys that I was in charge of wrangling, um, and then Coach Taylor will introduce his guys, and then uh, we'll start off with the questions. So, uh, I first reached out to uh, Coach Trey Bryant. He is the defensive line coach at at McKinney High School. Uh, he's a uh, former DFW Texas high school football player. He played at Richardson Berkner. Uh, he also played at Baylor, uh, had a little bit of time in the pros and, uh, the arena league. And now he's going on his ninth year, uh, smart young mind. Um, so coach Taylor th or uh, coach Bryant, thank you for, uh, for taking the time to, to help us out and get better. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate uh, you having me. It was a pleasure to be here amongst you guys and uh, anytime I get a chance to talk ball, especially D-line, I'm always down for it. So I'm, I'm excited for tonight. And uh, like I can say, just any questions you have, ask. I was telling uh, Peter earlier, man, I'm not one of those guys that's going to shy away and not try to tell you what I do. My biggest thing is I have a quote I live by and it said, if I had the keys to, to, keys to success, why wouldn't I make copies for everybody? So Whatever I, whatever you need and whatever you want to know about D-Line, if I can help, I'm here and I'm going to tell you everything I know about it. And I'm also here to learn if you guys some, got something else that that I can learn from. I'm in my ninth year coaching it, but like I said, I'm still learning every week, any chance I get. So appreciate it. Awesome, man. Well, I'm telling you right now, I'm stealing that quote. So I'll give you credit for it, though. But I like that. Uh, and another guy I reached out to was uh, Coach Brent Milby. Uh, he is the D.C. at Paris North Lamar, uh, also assistant head coach, uh, formerly at uh, Omaha Paul uh, Pewitt, and he's going into his ninth year coaching. Uh, coach Milby and I are uh, were one degree of separation away uh, because we have a mutual coaching friend who we went to college with who also uh, ties <laughs> so funny ties me to uh, Coach Brian as well. But uh, Coach Milby, thank you for, for sure. taking the time out, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. True, truly honored to be invited to do this. And, you know, it's funny, too, because I've actually coached with, with, with Coach Taylor, too, as well. So, you know, we were actually at that time, I was actually on the offensive side of the ball. We went head-to-head -head a lot. So 
again, excited to be here. You know, hopefully I can give you some of you guys that small schools perspective and, you know, help out with questions like that. Awesome. Thank you. I'll go ahead and introduce my guys. We got one coach that's uh, still logging in. He got stuck in DFW traffic, which is uh, just another reminder why you don't ever need to live in DFW. No, no offense to you guys who who are who are there right now, but uh, anyway, yeah, um, I'll, I'll start with Coach Martin. Coach uh, Coach Martin is um, uh, came on uh, on our podcast. Um, oh, what was it, a couple months ago, Coach Martin? Yeah, it's been a couple months. And and um, and, and he and I. We we have our history goes way back. He was um, a coach in 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 Huntsville, which is where I grew up, Huntsville, Texas, uh, when I was coming through. And and he actually left right before I got into high school, but um, I almost went to work for him there at Huntsville. And and if if since kept in touch with him and just really uh, admire him and respect him for the for the man that he is and the coach that he is. And uh, he is currently the defensive coordinator at Mart. And if you don't know anything about about Mart, uh, they have uh, coaches at three in a row. Three in a row, yeah. Three in a row, uh, state championships on the two A level, and and uh, he just has a really um, great way of, of of communicating and and getting his kids to play for him, and and so uh, really excited to have you on, Coach Martin. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Hey guys, I'm just going to tell you, I'm the lucky one tonight, and and I'm probably going to be the oldest guy on this thing, but I'm telling you, you young minds, I'm here to listen, and it's going to be a great night of this. If there's ever anything I can do when I put it out there, my Twitter or my email or whatever, please contact me. I, I love to do this, and uh, I'm the one that's blessed. And, and thank you, and Coach Newton, for asking me to be here. I'm excited. All right, and so next up, we got Coach Clark coming in. And uh, Coach Clark, I was just talking about how you got, you got stuck in traffic, but you made it. You found a way. Didn't, didn't – uh, you know, no problem being a little bit late, but uh, we're just we're glad you're here. Coach Clark is is currently a defensive line coach at Alito High School, uh, which is another big time powerhouse in the state of Texas. Uh, they just uh, wrapped up another season this year where they won. As, coach, was this the four out of five you've won five A Division two state championships? Is that right? Uh, three out of four. Three out of four. I'm sorry. I'm my bad. Three out of four. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> so three out of four state championships. Uh, Coach Clark has also uh, came on the podcast a few months ago and does a really great job of just talking about the technical side of defensive line play. And, and obviously the success that those guys have had speaks for itself. So Coach Clark, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me. It's always good to get around other good minds and learn a lot of ball. All right, last up, we got Coach OG, Coach Mike O'Gwen, looking fly in his Notre Dame gear right now. But hey, don't get it twisted. The dude is a, a Texas high school football coach at heart. He's the son of a coach, uh, played his high school football in Texas. He's an SMU grad. Uh, and and uh, two years ago was helping Galena Park North Shore win uh, that, that unbelievable state championship over Duncanville where the, uh, the kid goes up and grabs the, uh, the pass in the corner of the end zone coach. Uh, what, was, what was that kid's name? Uh, A.J. Carter. There you go. There you go. Uh, anyway, just if, if you guys watch that game, remember that game. I, I mean, I, I remember watching that. That was probably, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the most memorable moments in all of um, state championship uh, history there for the state of Texas. But now uh, Coach O'Gwen left Galena Park North Shore and was the, uh, this, spent last season as a graduate assistant at Texas Tech and is now uh, an assistant defensive line coach 
up there at Notre Dame. And, uh, and so they're in the middle of starting their, their, their camp and, and everything, but he was uh, good enough to uh, take some time out of that and, and come talk with us tonight. So Coach Ogwen, thank you so much for being here. No, thank y'all guys for having me. Uh, man, it's feel good to be around some, some Texas guys, man, up here in Indiana. I'm way up here. I'm one deep up here, Texas wise. So man, it's good to, <laughs> good to be around some, some minds, man. I'm, I'm here to learn. I got my notes ready and uh, I'm excited. Appreciate you guys for having me. Awesome. <clears throat> Coach Clark, if, if you will, uh, just put your, your best form of contact in, in the chat um, for, for everybody. And, uh, and then from there, we will start with the questions. Uh, Coach Taylor is going to ask uh, the odd questions. We had 10 previously submitted questions. Um, and then I will ask the even ones. Uh, we will randomly choose which, which uh, three coaches will, will answer. Um, uh, and then, like I said, if there is time, um, you know, we will uh, we'll take from the chat um, and we'll just kind of go from there. So without further ado, Coach Taylor, right, man, I got far, question number one. far okay. away. All right. Uh, and also, and I, I, Coach Noonan uh, mentioned this in our email, but just uh, coaches, if, if, you know, hey, I'm the, I'm the one that's, that's the most guilty of everybody, but uh, if you can keep your answers to just a couple minutes, so we got get a chance for everybody to to uh, to respond. And then if there's something that you know guys want to follow up with, or they want to ask you to you know maybe elaborate on something, then y'all can do that uh, maybe after this is over. But just so everybody gets a chance to answer. But this first question was submitted by Coach Brent Bachelor. Uh, his Twitter handle is at batch zero two six, and he said, "What are your coaching points on your wrong arm or spill technique?" Team scout us and they log it outside. And I and at first the, when I read this question, I thought of Coach Coach OG because on our episode we talk about uh, we, Coach. We talked about your splatter technique. So I'm going to go ahead and let you right off the bat answer this one, and then uh, then I, we'll toss it over a couple other coaches on the panel. But Coach Ogwin, what you got about on that one? How are you guys coaching, or how have you coached your wrong arm spill technique? Okay. Yep. Uh, so recently uh, we've got away from go- doing the wrong arm or the uh, wrong shoulder. Uh, like we talked about on your podcast, uh, we, we do what we call a splatter technique where we want to take our hands and we want to be heavy and thick through the inside half of that puller, you know, whoever it may be. So we want to get heavy and thick through the inside half and press vertically uh, through the inside half of that band so we can knock him back and try to knock off the secondary puller is, if there is one. And also so we can make contact so that the guy can't bypass us and log us and wash us down inside. So that's the biggest thing we do. We want to take and we want to be more fiscal, fiscal with the block instead of turning and, 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 and having a wrong shoulder and being a little weaker. We want to be more firm and aggressive with our hands so that we can deliberately make contact so we can prevent that guy from bubbling us and logging us down. So that's something that, uh, that we use on our spill, spill technique, what we call this button. So, and I, and I just real quick follow-up question, Coach. So when you're, when you're, and, and you might have said this as I was writing, writing some notes down, but when you're, you're punching that guy's inside shoulder, are you driving him vertically to knock off that second puller? Yes, we're, we're knocking him vertically up the field. Once we make contact on his inside half, we want to press vertically. That's correct. And, and I, I'm assuming the thought process behind that is so you're not giving up one for one, so you're buying that guy back so now he can, you know, pop out and make the play, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, he's, if, he's, if he can do that. But – um, instead of just sacrificing one for one? Yeah. Our thought process is to keep ourselves alive so if the ball hasn't already hit outside of us, that we can make a play. And so we're not just giving ourselves up. Because when, sometimes when you're wrong, short, you can miss. And like you said, the question about law, they can, they can bubble you and you can block yourself. 
So we just want to keep ourselves alive and not get that one for one and give ourselves what we feel is the best chance uh, to continue to make a play. Great, great. Coach Clark, I'll throw that question over to you and let you let you answer that. Uh, I know you guys are even front and you probably have some have some great stuff for that. So how are you guys teaching spill or, or wrong arm technique? How are you guys coaching up taking on pullers? Uh, we're going to we're going to probably be a little more traditional with it to start off with, um, <clears throat> especially if, if we're in our four one box. Uh, we will I, I call it rip spin sit, which is it's just your good old fashioned traditional wrong wrong shoulder wrong arm inside shoulder. Uh, and we're going to try to take that first one out. We see a lot of times guys will try to get on different levels when they pull as well, and it can get yeah. it can get a little dicey. We we haven't run into the log a whole, whole lot, um, but when we do, if they do get a little depth on us, to try we'll try to get our guys, especially our ends. Now I, I don't do it with the tackles inside. If we're going to see a trap that's going to pass, we're going to rip, spin, sit, and try to get back through there. Which it, you know, trap always gets muddy, anyways. If you play it good, and it should, uh, but with the ends, if we're going to see some depth in the puller, like they are going to take that angle to log us, uh, I would say we probably play it a lot like Coach just talked about. It, it kind of adjusts into probably that splatter to where now you're not going to get to my inside. I'm going to I'm going to get a little depth with you as you get depth. So we're going to kind of try to mirror that pull if that makes sense at all. Yeah. And then get into, similar to what Coach just said, get into them and try to work them upfield so I can take that next one out. End all, be all, I think in a scheme-wise, if we do get logged in our 4-1 box, and our mind is, well, if I get logged, I took one puller out. If the other one gets around me, I should have a Mike backer fitting inside of that one and an outside backer fitting outside of that. So technically, we should still be gap sound even if we do technically get logged. But we would like to see the end take that guy vertically into that backside puller as well. And I'm sure, you know, if, if they're getting logged, that probably means they're too far upfield, right? They're not surfing down the line of scrimmage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If, they, if they can get in there, get up there, uh, if they're, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a bad situation if they're upfield, no matter how yeah. you, you play, yeah. I think. Yeah. Coach Brian, how are you? Coach Brian, how are you guys coaching that up over there at McKinney? Uh, we kind of, we actually kind of do it the same. We kind of do a sum of both. We don't do the, the splatter, but my thing is we we do a C feel. So I, I'm seeing that most of the time it's usually my five or my four. We're high up front, so I'm usually we got to get hands on that tackle first off. Well, I'm in a four or five. I'm getting my eyes inside. So if I'm a five technique and that guy releases inside, I got to make sure I get hands off of him. But the first thing I'm telling my guys is our job is to keep them guys off our guys behind us. I don't care how many tackles we got up front, but we need to make sure those guys behind us have 100 tackles. So biggest thing we're trying to do is knock that guy off his path, first off, and I got hands on that guy and I got eyes down inside. If I see that puller, I'm going to meet that puller. And we are wrong-warming it, but we wrong-warming it, but we are getting vertical. So we teach our guys wrong-warm, get vertical, and still come. What we see a lot of guys is they'll do that influence trap on us so you know they doing like play action off of it anything like that so more than like what we're doing is but i had we have a time we actually was playing plano east and my dn made a good play where he got vertical and then got back flat and made the play but right now yeah instead of we it's kind of like the splatter so we're not taking both hands but we kind of doing what coach parkman doing as well so we just 
when we running down that line of scrimmage trying to close that gap as well, though. We wrong arm it, get back vertical. So, y'all, are, when, when you do get down block, you're collision in the tackle, and then you're turning your shoulders and running down the line of scrimmage. Is that correct? Yes, and then with sir. wrong arm, you're taking your upfield shoulder. Upfield shoulder, and I'm, I'm spinning them, but I'm not giving myself up. So, I'm spilling that thing, and then I'm getting back vertical. I got you. Just try to still get back into play. Yeah. Okay. Great. What I like about, you know, all three of those answers is you have some uh, kind of some terms there that, that can really give, give something concrete to your kids to think about. Like Coach O'Gwen, you said, you know, it's a splatter. Which when you think of splatter, you know, you think of something, you know, being like, and you say you were going to be thick and heavy on that guy's inside shoulder. You know, that's exactly what I think of when I think of splatter, you know. Uh, and then, Coach Clark, you guys got rip, spin, sit. And then we're going to see – see, feel, and eyes inside with, with Coach Bryant. And I think when you can have those little, those little coaching cues um, that those kids remember, you know, like, hey, when you get a down block here, what are you thinking? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eyes inside, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see, feel, you know, whatever. And I, and I think when you can do that, that's going to really help those kids kind of remember what they're doing and, and, and help them be successful. Great stuff, Coach. Uh, coaches, let's, let's go to question two, Coach Noonan. All right, question two is submitted by uh, Coach uh, Brian uh, Dreyer, uh, his Twitter is at FB Coach Dreyer. Uh, <clears throat> he asks, what are your teaching progressions for taking on double teams? I think I've seen a lot of, a lot of stuff come around Twitter lately uh, about this uh, concept and, and, and stuff. So I'm, I'm going to toss this one to uh, Coach Martin first. You know, you know Coach, here's the, here's the kind of the thing that we teach here. You know, I'm, a, I'm from a small school. My uh, my one defensive end will probably be our quarterback next year as well as my defensive end. But, you know, what we teach our kids here, and what I do as being the D-line coach and the defensive coordinator, is we're going to dissect that block first, and we're going to decide whether it's a vertical double team or it's a horizontal double team. We're going to try to decide whether he's trying to knock us off the ball or whether we're trying a zone concept and they're trying to feed up and chip up to our back. So what we do is we try to go through the blocks the same way. We're going to try to decide what block we're getting as a double team. And the biggest thing that we're going to teach as a double team is we're going to get skinny and we're going to try to defeat the block. If we can't defeat it, we're not going to lose ground. We're going to go to the ground. So we kind of dissect it in two different ways, whether it's vertical uh, double team or horizontal double team. And by doing that, you know, we're going to get off and we're going to read. The biggest thing that we teach is we read with our hands. You know, we're going we're gonna to feel where that block is. Who's the guy that's trying to overtake us? Who's the guy? And we're going to make our linebacker right. And that's what, that's, you know, that's the biggest thing we do with double teams. We work double teams, you know, pretty much every day. And we do it with pads, you know, because we can't pound on each other. We're not as fortunate as some guys. We got 22 guys on the field is, is our biggest number we've had in the last three years. And, so that's how we teach a double team block. We're going to defeat it. We're going to see what block we're getting. We're going to get skinny, and we're going to we're going to try to defeat the block. Awesome, coach. You might have twenty two guys, but those are twenty two fierce, fierce dudes <laughs> on the field, man. Now, don't let anybody, you know, don't don't worry about the numbers. They they they're going to play like many. Uh, you gotta love you gotta love the quarterback slash DN combo. That right? dude's gotta be a dog. Hey, he I mean. was he was the cover boy this year. He he weighed the other day when he came up, and he's up to two hundred and twenty five pounds. Oh, wow! Heck, and 
everybody else. He's a beast. He's he has already played. Uh, he's played sixteen ball games every year since he was a freshman. So wow. he's a beast and a That's great. Awesome. Player. Awesome, Coach Milby. Uh, how are you guys taking on double teams? Well, I'll tell you this: we do practice it a lot. Um, we're we're a three man front. We run a three four scheme. So, you know, I, I tell my guys, my, my guys down in front of us, that if if they are not uh, getting a double team, they're probably getting fired pretty quick. Uh, but uh, first and foremost, I mean, the thing that we that we probably preach the most is 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 ball get off. You know, we got to make sure that we are firing off the ball. We're not going to give any ground. You know, yeah, we're going to we're, we're punching the read, but at the same time, we're not going to just sit there and be stagnant. You know, we're getting our hips behind us. We're running our feet and, and we're staying there, you know, much like Coach Martin, you know, the, 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 you know, to me, there's not a there, there's not a secret formula to beat a double team. It's just, you know, being tougher than that guy or those two guys and just having the will to get through it, get skinny and, you know, Worst case scenario, make a pile and keep those guys off the linebackers that are making play. But most important, you know, you know that ball get off and getting your hips behind you, uh, making sure you have a good base and and you're getting that extension with your hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. You want to beat a uh, you want to beat a double team. You got to get off the ball fast anyway. Um, uh, to me, that's the that's the simplest answer. Um, you know, sometimes it, it's the simplest is the, is the most complex in a sense, but uh, but I'm I'm with you on that, and you got to practice it every day, uh, Coach Coach O'Gwen. You know what's what's the Fighting Irish way of doing doing double teams, man? Um, first and foremost, like Coach Milby said, uh, you know, getting off the ball is going to be number one. Uh, if you can get those guys on different level levels, it's hard for those guys to double team you. So uh, number one thing we teach is is knock back. You know, attacking vertically through the via that guy's neck. Okay, so once you you get hand you fight, you do a good get off, you get your hands on them, you get knocked back, you create a new line of scrimmage. Okay, once you feel that outside pressure, okay, you want to take the guy that you're on, you want to throw him away from the pressure. Okay, and once you throw him away from the pressure, uh, up here, coach teaches reduce your surface area. So once you make feel that contact, you throw away, you reduce your surface area, and then once you feel the backside guy climb, you expand uh, through the gap. Uh, with a power base and be ready to make a play if that guy does come off. If if the guy does not come off uh, your back, then you're going to anchor down and and hold those two guys up. So the way Coach uh, Elson teaches up here at Notre Dame is it's called anchor, reduce, and expand. That's how he teaches a double team. Uh, I, I got to write all that down right now because that's that's really I like the the simplicity of that, and it's it's just like what you were saying, Coach Taylor, um, uh, about the 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 first dub with the wrong arm. Those are very concrete uh, concepts, you know, in, in key terms. Anchor, reduce. Uh, what was the last one? Expand. Expand. Yeah. And then what I like, too, is, you know, we talk about from a pass rush standpoint, right? We want to rush half a man. and We don't want to give them too much of us. So reducing that surface area, when you talk about taking on a double team, you, you, t- you keep talking about reducing surface area is only going to help carry into into the other stuff, um, and, and I don't know. Well, when I when I coached uh, high school ball, the biggest thing I used to have to, uh, to coach my guys up on on the double team was, you know, they would try to take on both the blockers. You know, have two hands here, try to fight both. One one phrase I used to say is, "A house divided can't stand." You got both your hands divided, man. You go, you gonna get put on your back. So you want to have your hands on the man you're lined up on and take and take care of that. That was the biggest issue I had 
was having guys they want to fight both the uh, fight 600 pounds. I'm like, man, 600 pounds moving one direction ain't going to stop all of a sudden. You better just worry about half of it and, and whoop that guy. Uh, that was the biggest issue I had, you know, coaching from when I was a freshman coach at John Tyler all the way up, was guys want to be Superman and, and fight both the blockers on the double team. Once you get them to realize you defeat the postman or the man you're lined up on, uh, it made it a lot easier. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, coach Taylor, you want to do question three? Yeah, Coach Oak, we ain't getting biblical on them boys. House <laughs> divided stuff. I like it. I like it. All right, question number three, okay? Now, this one is uh, – this one's submitted by Coach Gilbert Garcia. Uh, his Twitter handle is at Coach G-A-R-3-I-A. So, it kind of looks like Garcia, but he throws a little three in there in the middle. I see what you did there, Coach. Um, but Coach – at Coach G-A-R-3-I-A. Anyway, uh, this is a question about middle school defensive line, okay? Um, and, and, when, and, and really, I, would, I think you could expand this out to when you're talking about freshmen or just young defensive linemen, okay? Uh, the most important fundamental drills and concepts for middle school defensive line are, Coach Clark, I'll throw that question to you to let you start off with that one. Uh, just what, when, when you're getting, you know, if you were talking to a middle school coach, he asked you, hey, what are the most important skills that I need to teach these middle school kids, these seventh and eighth grade kids, what would they be? Uh, I think the first thing, obviously, is is when you're dealing with middle schools, you got to create drills and create a practice schedule that that incorporates a lot of individuals. You know, because there's a lot of those middle school rascals running around and they ain't doing something. They're doing something wrong, probably. You know, so I try to create a system of of things that I want them to know, but you got to be careful and create it in a situation where they can use it in a lot of numbers and a lot of kids and not a lot of coaches. So that would be the first thing in, in any uh, middle school position, probably I would say uh, is the ticket. But as far as what I want them to know by the time they get to me, uh, I guess it's probably more geared towards the question would be most certainly stance. Uh, what, what we're looking for in a stance as a program. Uh, and it should be, it should be uniform across Definitely two interior guys should be very similar. The two ends could be a little different if they are. We'd probably save that for the varsity level, but a stance, a right-handed and a left-handed stance, uh, that, that's huge. And that's something you can do with 40 kids if you needed to. Um, second thing is the idea behind inside-outside head-up technique. Uh, here in Alito, we don't play a whole lot of head-up techniques. Other places I've been in the past, we have, and so – if they get to me and I say, hey, get in an inside technique, it doesn't matter if they're a four, it doesn't matter if they're a one eye, it doesn't matter where they are, six, if they have the idea of what an inside technique is and how we play it, that's huge. We can get them into the technique or the lineup on the guy. They can have a clue as to how to play that. And then the same for an outside technique. So when you're an inside technique, you're doing this. You have this hand down. You have your man hand down, you know, things like that. Inside, outside, head up techniques. Um, they can come to me with those two things. I think from that we can progress into a lot more, and, and that's going to be better for them at the middle school level. I mean, we can't teach a lot of the stuff at the middle school level that that we. It's just it, it can't be done with that many kids, that few coaches, that many teams, and so uh, if if they can get lined up and they have a clue as to what they're doing when they're lined up, they're going to be better for themselves down there at that level too. And then also coming up to our level will be a lot better as well. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think the, uh, you know, a lot of you guys, I see y'all because y'all be posting stuff on Twitter about all this stuff you're grilling and smoking. 
um, on the weekends. And so I think that same approach that you take with brisket, that low and slow approach, that's the same thing. That's the same approach with those middle school kids is, you know, take it low and low, you know, low, low, those low, um, you know, maintenance type of drills and skills and take it nice and slow with them. And, and you said, if, if they can come to us with a great stance and know where to line up, shoot, then, then we can yeah. work with that. I think that's a great point. Stance though. starts everything we do, you know, stance starts yeah. all. You got a bad stance, right. you're going to be a bad player. You got to have a great stance. That's right. All right, Coach Martin, I, I know that you guys, uh, I'm sure, you know, with your kids, a lot of, you know, you guys play a lot of freshmen. You just talked about your kid, your defensive end slash quarterback who's been playing, you know, since he was, since he was a freshman. So I'm sure that there's a, uh, you guys are heavily involved, especially being at a smaller school with your middle school. So what would you say are some skills that you guys want to make sure those middle school kids have when they come up? You know, one of the things that we're lucky here is, is we coach our kids. I'm the defensive coordinator for the middle school kids. I'm the defense coordinator for the JV and the varsity. So we start our kids. We get to coach them from the fifth grade up. And one of the biggest things that we do is, is I'm kind of like I agree with Coach Clark on this. We start off with a little acronym. It's called SAC, S-A-K, Stance, Alignment, and Keys. That's the first thing that we teach our kids from day one, that how to get in a good stance. We do it every day. You know, from last year when we won the state championship, from the first day we started practice, we did Stance, Alignment, and Key with the varsity. When I was at Arlington Lamar High School on Wednesday before the state championship game, we did the same thing. So we take our kids, stance alignment and keys, first thing we do. Second thing is block recognition. We want to teach them down block, zone block, what it is to be able to read the, the blocks and understand what we're seeing. And the next thing we do is hand placement. You know, we want to know what you're going to do. And like Coach was talking, Coach O'Quinn was talking, we're going to fight half a man. We're not going to fight a whole man. We're going to do that. You know, I've I worked a lot of camps. The first time you hear the whistle blow is when you start a bull rush. We're not going to bull rush people. We're going to fight half a man, and that's what we're going to do. You know, and so if I had to pick anything, if I was just a high school coach that was getting kids sent to me from the middle school, I'd want them to learn what their stance is, what their assignment is, what their keys are, and block recognition and hand placement. That would be my three keys to success for us. And we started in the fifth grade. I get to work with the fifth graders all the way through the senior. I want to talk – I want to throw this question uh, to you, Coach O'Gwen, because and, – and sort of switch it around a little bit. When you're evaluating high school kids now, okay, um, and, and uh, you know, we got Coach Justin Robinson on here, another college coach I just see just joined. Um, but when you're looking at high school tape of, of high school defensive linemen, what are some things that you're looking at uh, as far as, you know, when you're evaluating them? And what are some skills that you would love for those guys to come to you already knowing how to do? So what are like the main things that we need to be focusing on as high school defensive line coaches when it comes to those skills? Uh, the first thing we look, up, uh, look for on film is, you know, explosiveness that comes with the get off. So, um, you know, a, if a guy has a good get off, that's going to catch attention uh, right off the jump. Um, a guy who plays really good with his hands is going to is going to uh, come off right off the jump, and a guy who's good with his eyes, you know, being able to see the block, not just running upfield every every play, know when they get in the base block, when they when they get in the cutoff block, when they get in the reach block, when it's a pass set. So um, that, that's that's something huge we look for. But the number one fundamental we're looking on tape is is get off and um, and hustling to the ball too, hustling to the ball. That can't be that can't be uh, taught, man. You know, when we see that. 
it makes us, you know, think, do you, you play football because you want to or is football recess to you? If you got a kid that's chasing the ball every play, then you, you can build off that because you ain't going to have to beg that kid to practice. You're going to have to beg him to study. You're going to have to beg him to work hard. So you, you can see things like that uh, when, when the kids run into the ball. So I would say get off hands and run into the ball. I love it. You want those guys jumping off the tape, right? I mean, those oh, yeah. kids that just make you all of a sudden hit that pause button on that clicker and run it back. And, 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 and those kids that you know, just time older kids are, are the ones that are going to catch your guys' eye, I'm sure, when you're evaluating all, the, all that film. Yep, because, um, you know, you feel like you can te- you might teach them the fundamentals, but, you know, if a guy just naturally good off that ball, man, that's hard, that's hard to, to teach and improve on, you know, within a short window. So if a guy got that, you know, that's, that's a great building block to have. No doubt, no doubt. Coach Noonan? Um, so, you know, Coach, Coach Garcia is, uh, is a young guy, and he submitted three questions. He's the only one submitting three questions. Uh, but he, I've, I've had the opportunity to, uh, to talk with him and, and stuff uh, through a couple of different um, uh, groups and, and, and whatnot. And, uh, and Coach uh, Sergio Gonzalez can attest to this, too, that this kid is a – is a just a magnet for information, and he wants to to learn. But I think what what we did was we kind of answered, um, you know, a lot of his questions because because the other questions he had were, um, you know, the most uh, important fundamental drills and concepts for a uh, middle school D line, uh, and, and you know, how do we uh, as middle school coaches better prepare our 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 team, our, our kids? And I think you know those kind of tied into a lot of what you guys had already said about. Uh, development and, and what we need to, to improve upon and it, it, it. Like you say, um, it, it starts with the stance, uh, starts with the get off and, and doing your job. So um, I'm going to jump down coach Taylor to yeah. uh, this is question six. Um, and, and, you know, it's fitting that I get to ask this as, as this man is now present in the chat. Um, so so, Coach Robinson, this is your question. This is Justin Robinson's question. He is his Twitter handle is at Coach underscore J J A Y fifty three. Um, his question is: What are the disadvantages of running a three down and four down fronts, or what are the disadvantages of running a three down and four down front? Uh, Coach Milby, I'm gonna throw this one to you first, uh, as as your your uh, DC. Um, Well, I, you know, we run a three-four, and of course, throughout my entire career, you know, I, I've been a part of four-two-five and four-three, uh, you know, schools. You know, whether or not you know I was going, you know, coaching the defensive or the offensive side of the ball, and, and I think you know, there's always advantages and disadvantages to everything. I, you know, I like the three-four because it allows us to be multiple. It allows us to get to a four-man look. It allows for us to to get to a stack look and stuff like that without really having to change a whole lot. Um, I guess really, you know, one of the disadvantages, you know, the, depending on, on how your scheme works is, you know, sometimes, you know, if you just don't have three dudes that can take on double teams, you're kind of at, in, a, in a bind sometimes in the box, uh, being able to stop the run and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and vice versa, you know, you get into a four-man look, sometimes you have trouble stopping the, the – you know, if, if you don't have guys that can sit there and and man, you know, play cat D and and man guys up, you run into problems where you can't stop the pass. So, you know, it, sometimes you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, but but ultimately you got to pick a scheme 
uh, and then and buy into it, get the kids to buy into it, and, and find out what works best for for your school, your your group of kids that you have. You know, this year, you know, judging by what I'm going to have at this new school, you know, I've got. I've got some pretty big guys that I think are going to be able to help us out running three man, keep guys off of our linebackers and be able to make plays. So, you know, that that's one thing that I like about it. And, you know, it also helps with the outside run as well. So that's kind of why I like that three down as, as opposed to a four down. Yeah. You know, we, uh, we had a defensive meeting today and that was one of the things that we were talking about is how do we, how do we become better at being multiple? And, uh, you know, my head coach made a really good point about, do you want to just be average at uh, at you know a few things, or do you want to be great at at one thing? You know, with changeup. So, so Coach Bryant, you know, you guys are a three down also at uh, at McKinney High, um, but I'm, I'm sure you had some experience in a four down as well. What what are your what are your takes on this? Uh, it's kind of like uh, what Coach what Coach Milby said. Uh, I I played predominantly in a four man when I was at Bergner. Baylor and with the Falcons. So, you know, uh, I was never a fan of a three-man just because of D-Lyman. You hate getting double-teamed. So, I don't like that. I don't want to get doubles. I want some one-on-one blocks, man-to-man uh, -man stuff. So, I went until I got to McKinney. This was going on my third year that I, that I start having to learn the three-man. And I actually love it. Now, I will say, you do got to have you somewhat of a dog in the middle that's going to demand that double team. Because if you don't get a demand on the double team, you basically – somebody going to play you and they going to shoot them guards straight up to your backer. So it's pointless. But that's what I tell my guys, and I think one of the coaches said it here earlier, if uh, I think Coach Milby said it, but I tell my guys, if you ain't demanding a double team, there's something wrong with you. You know, they don't think highly of you if you're not demanding a double team. So, again, it's just like what he said too. Like I was at Plano West and I played a four-man and my tackles wasn't as good in the inside. And I got over here, and we producing some guys, and I got three straight D1 DNs. I got one I just sent. He was committed to Baylor, decommitted, and going to Yale. My 2021 guy just committed to Missouri, and I got a 2022 that's going to be a D1 guy as well. So for us this year across the board, I'd be averaging 6'3 across the board. So with that, I think we'll be able to do some things, and they're all athletic, you know, all basketball players, so, you know, things like that. So. Mm -hmm. I think that's the dis that's that's the advantage when you got guys like that. But the disadvantage, if you ain't got a guy in the middle that can demand that double team, that's your disadvantage. And then also when you go to that four man, what I learned to being in this three man is you taking an athlete off the field. And we can put another backer on the field, you know, more athletic a backer or a D lineman. When we can put another backer out there to guard some routes and also that can rush, can uh, blitz and do things like that, that's where you get your advantage when you got your uh your three man. Coach Clark, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you kind of close this one out. You guys are a four down right at at Alito. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I was a coordinator at Alvarado, it was actually uh, an odd front uh, for the coordinator. But getting to Alito, where we we don't deviate. We're uh, we're a four man front, and I think these other other coaches said it uh, pretty well that um, personnel is huge. You know. You got the right personnel. You're gonna you're gonna be good. I think all I think all fronts are sound, or and all fronts have their disadvantages. I would say that for us, um, the disadvantage would be that, like Coach just said, 
you lose that extra athlete on the field sometimes. And where we see it is, is primarily in um, where we see it in the run fit would be like a fold place, uh, pullers, lead blockers up inside. Sometimes those backers uh, can get expanded out of the box and can, you know, your backers have to be just as good of fitters with correct shoulders, inside, outside, spill, squeeze, leverage, and it can stress them a little more. So you got to have, you know, a lot of times you got to have more athletic backers than what you would need in an odd front. And uh, that I think in the, in the run fit game, it, it's posed us problems. We have to create backers that are really physical, not afraid to go meet it up in the hole to create those vertical gaps from getting created. Uh, and, then, and then our backers have to be really good fitters, have a good understanding as to where I fit, on who, uh, and or – uh, we got to require double teams up front, just like uh, Coach said. If you're not requiring a double team, you're not, you're not playing well. You're not doing well. And we've got to require double teams so much so that they can't come off on our backers so that they can go fit. Um, you know, inevitably, there's seven-man boxes, you know, for the most part, four, three, three, four, seven-man box, I guess, until you get to a four, two, five, which we do a little bit of that, too. Uh, and it just comes back down to fitting right, and, and then it comes back to personnel. Who do you have that can do what, I think? Um, and and that, would, that would be my answer for us. It, it, it's, uh, it can stress our backers a little more would be the disadvantage of the fourth hand on the ground would be my answer. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, you know, at the end of the day, you, even in a, in a three down, when you're bringing that extra person, you, you know, you're, you're going to end up in a four down ish type look. So uh, ultimately, you know, whether you're, you start in three down or you start in four down, you're, you're, you're looking to get four and four plus. And like you say, you know, how, ultimately it also comes down to knowing your personnel. Uh, we can have all the schemes and, and ideas in the world, but if we can't execute, with the guys that we got, then, you know, it doesn't matter. So coach Robinson, I hope that, uh, that answers your question. Uh, you know, we can circle back around to it at the end, if there's some time and we want to discuss this further. Uh, but, but I like those answers, man, you know, and that's the deal is everything has its good and bads, um, you know, and, and we're all, uh, creatures of habit and there's just things that we like better than the other stuff. Uh, it doesn't necessarily make it right or wrong, but, uh, if you can't coach what you know, then uh, then it doesn't do us any good with the guys we have on the field. So, Coach Taylor. All right, here we go. So this next question, question uh, is submitted by, actually by Coach Taylor, not me though, another Coach Taylor, uh, by Coach Lewis Taylor. Uh, his Twitter handle is at CoachTaylor80. Uh, and he said, what personnel factors besides this is what we do in depth Determine what defensive structure you run each year or game to game if you are multiple. So basically, how do you determine what kind of front or uh, at least what um, what structure that you're going to get into? Uh, you know, if, if we, we talked about, you know, you, we got Coach Milby um, and, and Coach Bryant. You guys are odd. You know, that can uh, you know, I'm sure that you can have within that structure, you know, the ability to get in some even. And, and you're seeing that a lot out, out of a lot of defenses. Um, except for Alito, who they just line up in their four down front and whip people. Um, <laughs> but how do you how do you work that in, and how do you determine if you're going to do that 
on a week-to-week basis. And I'll start with you, Coach Bryant, um, and just ask you that question. Uh, I was going – we we have a great uh, – our defensive coordinator is good, and our head coach, they worked together previously before we all got to McKinney. So, for the most part, I mean, we just – Without giving that answer, it is kind of just one of those, we we stick to, we do what we do. You know, we got caught up last year. We kind of tried to switch our defense up for the first half of the season. And we was, you know, still winning games, but we was giving up some points. And when we went back to what we did and what our defensive coordinator and our head coach built this defense on when they was at Lubbock Castacado, I mean, we had a heck of a turnaround that second year. So, you know, I like our defense because we do have the opportunity to, to, to reduce down and get in that four-man as well so I mean it's hard not to give that answer but it is one of those like we just stick to what we do and we just go out there so I mean our game plan is not more so trying to jump into a multiple it's more so about how can we attack these guys you know we're we're doing we're standing our defense but what can we do we're we're not changing the defense we have a defense this is what we run we're a three down front what can we do to these guys in that so it's more so with us is what kind of blitzes or what kind of stunts can we send at these guys to, to disrupt some things? Yeah, Coach, I think, you know, you've heard it said before probably that, that you know, you need to call a defense, not defenses. And, yes. and you don't need to come – no one likes the guy who comes into game planning on Sunday and, and he's, got, he's drawing up what he saw uh, that Saturday from a college game on TV. And I think <laughs> we can sometimes get caught up in that and trying to, you know, reinvent ourselves each week. But I, I think that there is – because this is something we do, and, and, and I'm going to throw this over to you, Coach Martin, here in a second. But, you know, you have, that, you have that, that foundation, but within that foundation, within that structure, you have the ability to be multiple if, if the situation requires it, right? Like yes. in East Texas, and Coach Milby can back me up on this, East Texas, you see a gazillion formations and personnel groupings on a given week. Um, whereas in DFW, you might see all 10 personnel, all 11 personnel mostly. You know, here we got all kinds of crazy stuff. So we do have to have the ability to, you know, we may be playing a, a, a wing T offense one week and then a, an air raid offense the next week. So it, it really is, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. But, Coach Martin, I'll throw you that question. How do you guys uh, determine whether or not you're going to be multiple? Do you get out of your base stuff much? How, how, how do you guys handle that? You know, we're, we stay basically when I first come to Mark and, uh, we ran a four two five first year. Came right out of Huntsville. Ran the same thing that I ran as a head coach in Huntsville. We ran a four two five. We jumped up against Canadian the year that they won football and basketball two years in a row, and we got beat by them. And when my new head coach took over, we went to the four three, and uh, we went to it because of, of really and truly not personnel, just like it gave us a little more option. you know. But the biggest thing with us, what we determine on what we do, when you look at Mart on film. We're going to be in the same thing. We're going to be in a three and a one shape, basically, which is a two eye on the backside. And we're going to stay in that. We adjust our linebackers in our secondary, but our front stays the same. We don't change a whole lot. Uh, we don't blitz. You know, I'll be honest, I drink Gatorade and watch the game on the sidelines. I don't even signal defenses. My, luckily, I've been blessed the last three years, and my son, who eats supper with me every night, was my safety. He made most of our calls. But you know, we're, we're going to line up and play. And, and we start our practice every day with what we call a fit drill. And we're going to come out, and it's just a slow-mo drill. We have an offense over there, and they're going to run certain plays, and we're just going to fit into that defense. And 
So that's why we stay with the four-man front. You know, my, my deal is I tried the 3-4 one year in Huntsville when I was there. We played enough tight end teams where I ended up in a four-man front every time anyway. So nothing against the three-man front. I love it. I've run the stack. I've run, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, my deal is I'm not going to say we're going to do what we're going to do because I've been in that situation as a head coach when you walk into a job and say, well, that's not the way we do it. This is what we do. Well, here's the thing that I believe. I believe every defense has to take on its own personality by the personnel that you put out on the field. You know, I've got two great defensive ends. I got one that's going to be a junior next year that's going to be a higher recruit than the one that I have as a senior right now because he's an athlete. So we're going to go into that and should have doing what we do, we're going to do what our kids allow us to do. And, you know, I'm fortunate. You know, some of you guys at the bigger schools, you get to see your kids when they high school walk in as a freshman. I get to see mine as fifth and sixth graders. So I know what we're going to get to see, you know. Our fastest kid in the program right now is going to be in the eighth grade next year, and he can outrun everybody on varsity. You know, and so we're fortunate. You know, if they – you know, if Hamlin screws around and lets it win again this year, I'm going to have to put some rings on my toes because we're going to win it for a couple of years. But my deal is, guys, you know, if, if it was my philosophy, I'm going to do what's best for the kids that I'm going to put on the field to get on the bus for me. That's what I'm going to do. You know, Coach, I love that answer. I love that answer. And it's not it's, – it's, it's one of those things um, where each year you do kind of have to reevaluate and look at what you've got. Um, uh, you know, Coach Brian and I were kind of talking about this before we started this interview, but next year we're going to have to – our defense is going to look a whole lot different than what we got this year just because we're, we're losing some dudes. And so there's some things that we're able to do this year we're not going to be able to do next year. And that doesn't mean that's – It's making us LSU fans very happy. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right now. Yeah. Well, it's, and it doesn't mean that we, we're doing a complete wholesale change and overhaul of the defense, but some, there, there are some things there that now we have to say, okay, this kid can't do what that kid could do, so now we need to maybe you know, simplify some things or whatever. Coach O'Gwen, I'll throw that question over to you and, and, and let you weigh in on that. Yeah, um, I believe, you know, uh, I like what Coach Morton said, you know, where you have an identity and you play to it. I've been in kind of both situations. Uh, last year when I was at Tech, uh, we came in the spring. We were a uh, three fourteen. Uh, we lost some kids, you know, who uh, didn't make it through school or, or injuries. So we had to go from repping the whole spring in the three four. We're going to the summer looking at our team. We didn't have a three four, um, you know, roster. So we had to go to a three three stack. We just we had to adjust our scheme to to the kids we had. So um, that that's one side of it. Um, like uh, I was at North Shore, we ran a we ran a four down. Um, and like Coach Morris said, I used to love the games. Our D.C. used to just hold up two fingers, and, and we just play our base coverage, and it'd be games where we just stay in there the whole time. We don't stunt. We don't move. We just line up and whoop ass. And me personally, as a D-line coach, that was, that was the funnest system I ever played in. Uh, you just tell me we can line up. I, I, I'll get my eyes on my key, and i just line up and get off on the ball and whoop ass every play. We're going to be fine. And, and that's what we did. And I think it comes down to a mentality, too. The kids buy into it, you know. Sometimes you have to speak belief. In, in, into the kids, you know, they, you can be dead ass wrong, but if you, you say it with enough conviction, kids gonna, uh, you know, ride with you. So um, uh, that, that's that's the uh, thing I believe too. You know, get get you know get a system, believe in it, and run it. And then there is certain times where you know, you know, you only got so many cards, you just gotta make make a scheme uh, fit fit your kids instead of making a scheme um, make a, a kids fit the scheme. Yeah, I love that, coach. Love it. 
All right, Coach Nuna, what we got? Uh, so this is a this is an interesting question. I'm, I'm going to throw this one to you, Coach Milby, since you technically coach linebackers, but you're the DC. Uh, in your scheme, do you allow the D line to attack the secondary gap once the ball carrier makes his cut, or do you maintain your primary gap to keep a clear picture for the linebackers? Well. Uh, I'm going to tell you this, you know, you get a lot of three, four schemes and stuff like that. You've got D linemen that are two gapping and all kinds of stuff. Our guys have have one gap that they're responsible for. I don't feel like I'm necessarily blessed to uh, to have guys that I can sit there and control the entire offensive line with just three guys. So I got to make do with what I got. But, you know, we have one gap. You know, I teach my guys, you know, obviously they have a read as well. Most of the time we're reading a guard, uh, but we're going to fire off the ball. We're going to attack that tackle, read that guard, see what he does hold our gap, you know, and it, once we see the ball, you know, I tell my guys, go be a football player, go make a play, you know, uh, kind of give them that freedom, you know, to, you know, within their techniques that they're taught to, to go after it and, and go get it. And usually, you know, I always tell my linebackers, you got to make that guy in front of you right too. You know, just like sometimes they got to make, make our guys right. My linebackers got to make our defensive line right too. If they, if they screw up or something like that happens and that's okay. You know, just as, as long as we, we're gap sound and we're taking care of our business. Let guys play football. Uh, Coach Clark, I'm going to slide this over to you because you you talked about linebacker fits earlier, um, you know, and you guys have had a, a great run of success at Alito. Uh, so, so how do you how do y'all make that picture, you know, clear for your linebackers, or what, what are you telling your D line to do uh, once the ball is committed? Uh, <clears throat> We teach, we preach hat and hips in my gap. We're going to get hat and hips in my gap. We're going to hit the dude in front of us, and we're going to work our hat and hips to the gap, to the hill line, just like anybody else. Uh, and then at that point in time, there could be a little freedom. Um, for our interior guys, uh, I harp on squeezing gaps, not crossing hats, not jumping into another gap. Hey, you want to make a play? I love that. But let's squeeze the linebacker's gap, make the ball bounce to me, and then you make the play in your gap. Let's take the linebacker's gap away. Now, like I tell – I make fun of my mics all the time. I'm like, hey, y'all, we don't even need you on zone because the G is about to come all the way down the line and make the play in your gap. But he's going to do it through his gap. He's going to hat and hips in his gap, feel flow, work flat. You're going to be late by the time he gets there if he's good at what he does. Um, and so I, I wouldn't call – one thing I do not like him doing is crossing hats, on a, especially in a zone scheme. In the stretch scheme, we're not going to cross hats and jump into a linebacker's gap because inevitably we're going to end up with two guys in a gap and one gap with nobody in it. And 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 uh, but as far as after I get hips to my gap, find football, work flat to it. Let's go. Let's go make a play at that point in time. Um, only time that we'll allow uh, a guy to cross hats is on guard pull. Guard pull away. Guard pull cross ball. Uh, then obviously center's blocking back. We are going to try to cross hats at that point in time. But other than that, we're going to squeeze gaps, especially in a zone or, you know, some sort of dark pool fold scheme. We're going to squeeze gaps with our guy, force the ball to bounce to me to make a play. And it's going to be the same for our defensive ends. They're going to be uh, – we pride ourselves on gap sound. And in our mentality, the more complicated you make that, the slower you play, 
and the, um, there's more likely a mistake to get created. And we want our kids knowing exactly what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it, so they can play as fast as humanly possible. And, and if we stay in our gap and everybody stays in their gap, that ball isn't going to go anywhere. We're going to get it up and we're going to make it play. So I, I would say no to secondary gaps for the most part. Gotcha. Um, oh, and I didn't uh, and say that this was submitted by Coach uh, Jesse Balderas. Uh, his Twitter is at Coach uh, Balderas. Um, coach Brian, we'll throw this to you because you you got, you know, as a coach now, you know, you, you have to have it one way, but you also have had your opportunity as a player. Um, so, so what's been your experience with this? Uh, again, it's like uh, we kind of like I, it's kind of what everybody's been saying. My my DC and my head coach they give me the freedom, so they haven't never told me hey. But for the most part, I'm kind of like what Coach Clark said. Like we we squeeze. I'm telling my guys to squeeze. We squeeze and everything. You put that put that that offensive line body in that gap, and it's gonna bounce to you. So my thing is basically stop working so hard to try to make a play, and you can make it so easy. Like. You want to sit here and you – my biggest thing, I tell my guys, we don't play peekaboo. Ain't no peekaboo because we want to jump inside, jump back out. And I say, at the end of the day, we call ourselves big athletes, but let's be real. That guy back there holding the ball is more of an athlete than you. And nine times out of ten, what we get nowadays, a running back is supposed to hit this gap, but nine times out of ten, he's not going to hit that gap. He's going to get back there. He's going to bounce. He's going to find the crease. And, you know, running backs nowadays, we got some good ones around here. So my thing is, I do tell them, put that body in the gap and let that guy bounce to you, and you're going to make an easy pay and going to be able to get back up, get back up, and you don't got to – you're not tired. You don't have to do a lot of running to the ball. But I do tell my guys also, now, if we get there, because we might be undersized sometimes, let's make sure we hold our gap. And once the ball declares, now we can cross face. When I say declare, that means we late. That means you ain't getting a tackle for loss. That means you're probably going to make a tackle on the game. So that means if I'm sitting right here, let's just say my five technique, and he's sitting right here with this tackle, and that running back's about to hit that B gap, you sit there. And I mean, once you know he can't jump cut or anything, and he's hitting that, that, that B gap, now you can cross face and go make a play. And now you probably have, we probably made a tackle for a two yard game. But I'd rather us get that for a two yard game, and you're going to make a play than make that guy bounce outside, and now he's probably taking it to the house on. But if I had to answer it, I'm going to tell my guy, put that, put that offensive line body in the gap, and then you just make the play like that. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I, you know, I think we can all agree that, that doing your job first really helps everybody behind you. And if you do your job to the extent that we're all asking, you really make – you end up doing somebody else's job because just like Coach Clark said, just like what you said, you're not going to be as tired trying to swap and play peekaboo, you squeeze it down, that ball bounces. Most of the time, that defensive line's making the tackles on a cutback because we've squeezed it down. We've reduced one, two gaps. So I'm with you on that, absolutely. So, Coach Taylor? Yeah, Coach, what, how are we doing on time? We, what, do you, what do you think? Do we need to skip to the uh, our last uh, few questions here, or, or you want to open it up, or what? Um, I, what, I got one more question that, that left for mine, and it's a really specific question. Yeah, and, uh, I think we should ask that one. Okay. Um, and uh, all right, I, I think the coach. I think the last two are really good. Uh, okay. And, yeah. You know, we can just after the last one, if we want to open it up, 
um, and guys want to hang out for a little bit, um, we can do that. All right, perfect. Okay, this this question was submitted by Coach Brian Dreyer. Uh, Twitter handle is at FB Coach Dreyer. Uh, and so this is talking about, um, you know, in a 4-2-5 defense, which I don't know if we have any guys who are currently running a 4-2-5. Well, Coach Martin, y'all are, right? You said you're, you're 4-2-5 now? No, no, I ran it when I first got here. I ran I'm sorry, so now you're 4-3, you're 4-3. Well, this is I'm, – I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to ask you, Coach Clark and, and you about this question okay. uh, because you guys are even fronts. Uh, it says with your, with your – and I'll just read this question as it's written. Reduced strong defensive end alignment. Six-eye tech, technique. Reading tackle or tight end. Um, so I'm assuming he's talking about, you know, if you're playing, you know, you're playing a six, like a head up, you know, head up on the, on the tight end. Are you reading the tackle? Or are you reading the tight end? Um, I guess he could be talking about, you know, a seven, if you're playing a six-eye or a seven, whatever. But uh, let's just say when you're playing, if you have your defensive end and he's lined up on that tight end, He's punching the tight end. Is he looking at the tight end or is he looking at the tackle, Coach Martin? Okay, well, what I do, and this is just me, what I do is here is we're going to line up in a six. If we're head up, we're going to allow our hands to be our eyes. We're going to read that block with our hands, and we're going to play the block at the tight end. If we're playing here, you know, down here in the Waco area, I'm playing Crawford, who's going to give me a beer release. I'm going to run it till I don't feel pressure, and then I'm going to ricochet back inside. Okay? If I line up inside, if I'm on an inside shade of that tight end, anytime what our key term is with our guys, if I'm lined up inside, I'm reading inside. So if I'm lined up inside on that tight end in a seven, then I'm going to read that tackle. I'm going to throw my hands to that tight end, but I'm going to read inside. And, and that's the way ours kind of changes a little bit, you know. And, and we, we see tight ends every once in a while where we're going to have to read things like that. But still – you know, the way that I coach my kids is we're reading every block with our hand. You know, we're going to see the block, feel the block, and then we're going to react to what we see. And just like the question before, our belief here in Mart is we play gap integrity. What gap you're lined up in, you're going to play. You know, we, we had an incident, if y'all saw the state championship game playing Hamlin this year, I'm a big, you know, and like Coach Clark was talking about crossing face, we cross face on some of the block back on our shades, our inside shades. So if that center block's back on us, we cross face. Well, Hamlin taught us a lesson on the first touchdown that they scored. As soon as we cross face, that center spun his butt and sealed us inside and kicked my guy out on the weak side, and the guy went 40 yards on his own play. So we want to make sure that anything that we're lined up in, our shades dictate where we read. If I'm head up, I'm going to play the guy. Not necessarily as a two-gap, but I'm going to read his block and play. If I'm lined up inside, I'm going to read the guy inside to me. And, and I hope that's not a jicked-up answer right there. If you kind of understand what I'm saying. No, I, I, um, I had – Coach Noon and I have a, have a coach that we both have, have learned a lot from, and that's um, Coach Robert Irwin, who's at Midlothian High School. And he talks about it's, it's almost like a Braille technique, whereas – you know, if you're, if you're uh, uh, you know, re reading Braille, you know, you're going to use your hands to, to kind of run across those dots to tell what, you know, read what something is. And that's what your guys are doing when they're playing that technique. Their hands are on that, on that tight end, but they're looking at the tackle and they're using their hands on that tight end to diagnose what kind of block it is and what the play is. And exactly. So you know, and we, when we were in the bigger classification, we were playing Crawford every year. Because if none of y'all know about Crawford, they're, they're a very established program here in Central Texas. 
and they always run a tight end. And our guys really and truly, that was something that we had to just – we worked from day one because we knew we were going to play Crawford in the playoffs. If we're going to read with our hands because we're going to get that beer release to get us wide because we play our, our defensive ends with good athletes. They're going to get us wide and try to come back inside of us. And, you know, like Coach said, too, we're going to make our linebackers right. That's our D-line job. Our D-line job is to make that linebacker right. You know, I'm going to give you glory. The paper's not going to, but we're going to make that linebacker right. Yeah. Coach Clark, how are you guys coaching that with your, with your uh, six technique? Uh, it's, a very, it's actually a two-part answer. Uh, I'll make the first one really quick. It's very similar to what Coach Martin's doing. Um, to us, if, if we get into a six technique, it'll be in two situations. If we get into our four-two-five package and we get a tight end, we will be in a six technique, kind of. Uh, and then if we see any type of uh, two tight set, our backside end will be in a six technique as well. Um, and, and we're going to do the same thing. We're, in my mentality, if, our, if you're going to put a tight end in there, most high, most high school tight ends can't block most high school defensive ends because if they can, they're probably playing defensive end. <laughs> so I think if we'll get off into that dude with our hands and with our face and with our eyes, we're going to create some problems right off the bat. Um, and, and, and we're going to feel the tackle, kind of like Coach said. We're going to get into the tight end. We're going to have our hat and hips inside of that gap, and we're going to feel the tackle. If he doesn't show up, something's wrong, um, and we need to ricochet back inside get our eyes back down the side, so on and so forth. Uh, the second part to that answer, what we have kind of started to move to is what we call a, a different technique called an ear technique. And I think we talked about it on the podcast maybe a little bit where we will play an outside alignment and uh, read the block in front of us. If, if we get a base, we're going to get into C-gap right now. We're going to rip inside C-gap. If we get a down block, we're going to run heel line. And so what that's allowed us to do is it's allowed us to play a C-gap. Our defensive end is C-gap responsible if, he, if the tight end comes at him. If the tight end goes down or away, he runs heel line to C-gap. So inevitably, we're taking care of the C-gap with our defensive end while not giving up the edge for a wrong shoulder into counter or for reading uh, or taking dive on zone or something like that. And it, it's where we moved to and it's really, really helped our, uh, our six. Cause we, we would get, we would get six technique on the backside of ACE. And if we had a defensive end that couldn't handle it, man, they would start running buck sweep week and they would double his butt out of there and it would give us a lot of stinking problems. And, uh, and so that's where we kind of generated, and I don't know if we generated or heard it, created it, what we did to, to come up with that technique on the backside, but it really slowed it all down. And, and also, you know, anytime a block down scheme, you want, you want to have that wrong shoulder guy. And it, what it did was it allowed us to have it, no matter if we were C-gap responsible or not, it still allowed us to have that. And I've heard the technique called multiple things. We call it an ear technique. I've heard it called a, a frontal, a clown technique too i think i don't know but uh so we've we've kind of drifted away from a true six but if we are going to play a true six we're going to play it a lot like coach martin said okay can i, can I add something to that just of course you know, of course coach 
what Coach Clark, I mean, I, I think him and I are on the same page. We have a call we make for ours and like where Coach is talking about an ace set or, or something of that sort. If we end up with a nub tight end where it's just a tight end, no split receivers, what we call a nub, then we get a shooter call from our corner. When we get a shooter call from our corner, it puts us in a six. Because we're not real smart down here in Central Texas sometimes. So we want to use uh, the shooter as the same letter starts with the six. So we're going to line up in a six, and we're going to read the same way. And it, it does something for us as well. If he's got a, a, a pro twin set or something like that, he's not going to get a shooter call because he's got a corner outside of him, and he's going to play an outside shade. So that's why we, we don't get in a six a whole lot. But when we do, it's because we got a counter outside a, – a, I'm sorry, a corner outside of Coach, I, I'm, I'm going to break protocol a little bit here real quick, Coach Noonan. And, uh, and, and I just saw a question pop up in the chat for Coach Clark. He said, how do you play your Sam or Rover to that ear technique? Uh, well, first off, he's the one that's going to make that call for him. And so with that, that, that clears up communication immediately. Uh, we both know what's going to go on. Um, so on a down block, he would play it like he's a nine technique. So if we have the ear technique and the tight end, or we even do an ear technique in a, as a five as well in a tackle if we want, which really frees up the outside linebacker for some RPO stuff. But for the question here, in, in a, as, a, as a nine technique, he's good. he knows right now, hey, if he goes down, I'm checking uh, quarterback cutback reverse. Just any other, it goes back to your outside linebacker rules at that point in time if the tight end goes down. Um, and then it makes it really easy for him if he bases because we tell him uh, depth is his friend. Now, as long as he maintains a little bit of depth, as soon as that end jumps inside and he sees it, that ball's got to bounce to him. So he's already lined up in his gap because it's going to bounce outside to him because he was a C-gap responsible individual or a D-gap responsible individual uh, if he's got a six technique, technically. And so it really doesn't change a whole lot. It, it, and it allows him to help his alignment as well, knowing I won't have to go inside to that C gap. Or if it's a five technique, I won't ever have to go into that B gap because I know if flow comes at me, tackle or tight end comes at me, that ends inside right now. And I'm playing whatever bounces outside to him would be my answer. It, it simplifies it for him to me, to be honest. Yeah. Great, great stuff, coach. Uh, Coach Noonan? Uh, man, I, I liked it all. I liked it all. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of tweak this last question as our last official question, and then what we'll do is um, it's just kind of open it up. Uh, anybody that, that wants to for the next about uh, 10, 10, 15 minutes, uh, we're getting closer to the two-hour mark. Um, but, uh, you know, We'll, we'll we'll close out with this last official question, and then we'll kind of um, uh, we'll go from there. So, Coach Milby, I'm going to start with you. I, I know we we all love the the idea of just playing base and and, and you know living life in base and, and not not having to do too much. But do you have one a stunt or game that you like to use? Um, whether it's strictly for the pass, strictly for the run, or a combination of of both. To be honest with you, uh, as far as uh, you know, just straight D line stunts, as far as loop stunts and stuff like that, we don't really uh, incorporate that a whole lot. Um, you know, it, I, I 
kind of surprised a lot of people whenever that you know I talked to them about you know you know obviously we we played in the state championship last year, uh, but you know I I tell people we really didn't blitz a lot you know we might have been a a twenty thirty percent you know blitz stunt uh, team uh, because you know we we would play in the base now you know as far as D line stunts you know we're not going to just sit in base where I, I like to play games and slant guys uh, you know switching gaps and stuff like that just to, you know, make an offensive line's, you know, job a little bit more difficult. But, you know, if I see that early that they're, ha- that they're having trouble with that, you know, we go to it a lot more than if, if they can handle it. But uh, as far as actual stunts, you know, we've, we've got blitzes within our defense that, that we that we kind of run here and there and, you know, you know specific blitzes and stuff to, to sprint out past teams and, and run blitzes and pass blitzes and you know to, to say that I have one or or anything like that you know not to divulge too much information but you know I I don't really have a a real specific one because the way I play my inside backers I don't blitz them a lot if I blitz anybody I'm usually you know just sending both backers on a storm blitz uh, you know send those guys off the edge and see yet but like I said I I, I like to tell my guys we're an aggressive defense in the way we play, not necessarily how I call it. Gotcha. I like that. I like that. Uh, Coach Ogin, you know, what, what do you, what have you, is there anything from you, from your career that, that you feel has been your favorite or is there something going on right now at Notre Dame that, without giving too much away that, that you really like from a, from a stunt or a game standpoint? Um, one of my personal favorite uh, games in my four down is what we used to call um a uh, gate or fence is like uh, when you get two two eyes in gate and, or, or a two eye and a three in fence. It's a regame on the center. Uh, we found it to be very effective versus inside zone teams. And against the slide, we ran it a whole lot when I was coaching at Angleton. Um, I think it's when we ran it the most. I incorporated it a little bit uh, when I was at North Shore. But we're reading the center um, out of those two eyes. If the center faces me, then I'm rapping. Um, if the center's away from me, I'm flat off his ass. And especially against the heavy inside zone teams, man, that, that really kills the inside zone. The penetrator cuts it off in the, in the looper. Uh, he, you know, he, he's there to make the play. And also against those teams that, that are heavy uh, half-slide teams, uh, you know, where they send that center full away, man, that, that, that guy's uh, uh, scraping off his ass uh, and getting penetration, making the quarterback move. And then, then the guy to the slide side is wrapping to the man side. And, and we've, we've had a lot of sacks. That's been a very productive uh, – Slide, you know, stunt force, um, getting sacked, getting that guy, put my athlete, you know, normally uh, to the side that the slide is coming to so he can wrap and clean up, clean up the quarterback. But that's probably my favorite uh, run stunt or and pass stunt, my favorite inside. I like that. I like that. Coach Ogwin, can I ask you a question on that real quick? Yes, sir. So when you're reading that center um, and, and that center is, uh, let's say he's to me, okay? okay. Uh, and I'm the two. I am I engaging him? And then is the is the rapper? Is he going to knock me off? Like is he going to is he going to collision that center? Or is he just going all the way around? How how are you doing that? Now, he, he's going. You know, he's trying to pin that hip coming flat off his ass as he's penetrating uh, the backside. And yes, the uh, the rapper will collision because you know you you're, you're reading that center, so you're going. He could get on you fast, or you could you know take an aggressive first step. You can once you collision him, then you come across. So it doesn't have to always be a collision, but sometimes it can happen. Yeah. yeah. I don't act, I don't specifically coach, hey, you got a collision to center on the rep. Yeah. 
I think Coach Clark had a question to ask. Yeah, go ahead, Coach Clark. Yeah, we're we're uh, we started installing this this summer. Um, and I'm teaching it a little bit different. I was going to ask you about it, um, primarily for the man slide stuff. Mm -hmm. Center slides away. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm going to put directional before we know, so we know who's talking about. Uh, center slides left. Okay. So my right, my right D tackle is going to come off his butt. That's the way you chose. Okay. Um, what's the aiming point after he comes off his butt? Here, here's why. Because in a lot of our twist game stuff, we don't get back over to that where the wrapper comes from. Get sometimes can create a a, a lane that we mm -hmm. can't get all the way over to. It allows the quarterback to step up into. So okay. how I started coaching it is if center goes away, you got to get into him to the lane before you can start to create. Okay. So by create, you mean get up field? Correct. Okay. And did you ever run into the problem with without having because because honestly, getting these kids to understand, go get into that center, it, it's been it's not clicking in their head like I want it to. And it might be better if I just wipe their butt there. But do you ever have problems with that that opposite side lane getting created to where the quarterback can escape the whole the whole stunt yeah I, we have we have come into that problem if that becomes an issue where we can't cover that gap because it can't get wide on you um yes. we have we have the defensive end to that side and i tell them hey you got a long arm collapse collapse pocket you can't convert up the field you can't speed gotcha. you're on long arm you're gonna collapse that pocket so if the quarterback does step up you can fold in and make the play so that so that's uh one thing um that i do to help and I, I just try to tell the, uh, like you said, the, um, the penetrator to, to try to collision that center before he starts to work up, so he can buy he can buy some time for that rapper to get around. Gotcha. He's also he's, knocking that. Hey, one more question for you, if I can. You mind, Coach? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. Another another problem is as they since they're reading it, what I have a problem is is they'll bam they'll get right there next to each other. Mm -hmm. What's the technique on? Hey, center goes away. What do I do? Because I got to take an aggressive step, right? Exactly. Like, yep. So I got to take an aggressive step right down there at him. Okay, center goes away. Do you tell him to throw the brakes on? Do you tell him to take a stutter step? Is there a step or maybe even a saying that gets him into that wrap a little quicker? Does that make sense? Because no, that is the one thing that throws it off. And once teams start playing you a lot, they'll, they'll start straight releasing that center so you can't get a read on them. Yeah. So, what I try to do is penetrate that double A gap. If one of the guys can feel a guard come down on them, then most likely that's a slide side. So you want to try to come out. That that guy wants to try to come out. But yeah, gotcha. that, that's that will give you uh, problems when it's, when they straight release the center. So I try to tell, hey, double it turns into double A gap penetration. If you feel pressure on your outside shoulder, then you can start working out of it. Yeah, and the other guy stays gotcha. in. If you don't feel pressure, you stay in. Gotcha. Appreciate it, coach. Yes, I, I like. And that. Uh, if, if you if you like that. Uh, I know AM has ran a lot of it um, this past year. Um, when I was at Angleton, we got it from TCU. TCU runs a lot of it. Um, and Wake Forest runs some of it. So if you're looking for some tape on some on some college teams that run that run that stunt, those are three I know specifically that I've looked at this offseason. Awesome. Thanks, Coach. And I know that, and that Coach Clark, I think you and I talked about this on our podcast episode, but um, and I'll just say this for everybody else's benefit, but Coach. Cade Faskey, who's a defensive ends coach at Stephen F. Austin, he, he has a whole presentation on this. 
um, that he would probably willing to, uh, to at least talk with you about. Um, and, and so he's a good one to look up. Uh, so if you, I mean, he, you can find him on Twitter. I think it's at coach Fasky, but, uh, or Fosky, sorry, I'm saying his name wrong. But uh, also, I have his contact information for guys who might want to learn more about that. But that's something we've implemented as well. I mean, just kidding. No, we haven't, Brent. No, we haven't. <laughs> no coach O-line anymore. Brent and I play each other. Uh, so, anyway. Uh, All right, Coach Noonan, throwing it back over to you. Um, I'm, I'm going to let Coach Bryant, you know, when you, when you have a guy like Coach Corey Jordan coaching the back end, <laughs> right, he's going to put them dudes on lockdown. Um, you know, it, it it creates a lot of games and opportunities. Um, you know, and so so what what are some things that you like to take advantage of? You know, because because I I know y'all y'all have some aggressiveness um, built into your defense. Um, you know, besides the way that that we that you play, you know, and, and I like the way that you you uh, explain that, Brent. You know, we're aggressive in the way we play, not necessarily in the way we call it, um, but you know, still being aggressive. Uh, with some calls, uh, you know, especially if you've got guys that can help cover the back end and buy you some time. Oh yeah, we, you know, Kojo is the best in it in that in that in that secondary. So, you know, when we got guys like that, we got some stuff we call like our supers. So that means we we they manned up back there and we bringing the heat. But if we just running some of our little uh, five man presses, one of our my favorite stunts that our DC calls is a stab and a bomb where we're uh, switching that responsibility with our outside backer in that DN. So my, if my DN's in a four and he's he got that outside backer, they'll give a me, you, me, you call. And he's basically slanting outside and that, uh, that outside backer is coming in through that B gap. So like running the scissors on that, on that, uh, on that offensive tackle. So I like that. And I also like what uh, Coach Quinn was talking about as well. We, we kind of do something like that, even out of our three-man our defensive coordinator, man, we got creative at the end of the season and he put it in. And we actually had probably more sacks in the last two games and our last two playoff games than we had all year. We started running our ears in a knot with just three men. It was always to the five-man side. So I'm kind of the same way. I tell that guys, you got to sell it on both sides. So what you got to do is if I'm running the ears and we know that's the end first, it ain't no just go now. I'm telling him to go one, two. And then he's going up under because at the same time, I got that nose guard. He's drawing that double team. So I tell him, yo, you can back off the ball a little bit, but you have to get off the ball like you like you really coming so that guy don't think nothing. Because the biggest thing is when you're running those stunts with those D linemen, they have to get off the ball like they would any other play. Because if they don't, they get the tiptoeing and looking. Offensive lineman, all he's thinking is something up, and he's going to look, and he's going to run right into your guy that's penetrating. So I tell those guys, back up a little bit, penetrate that guy fast as you can, but don't let that guy get a hold of you. So I tell them to come in there with just crazy hands. Come in there with crazy hands, don't let them get a hold of you. And once you see that guy cross your face, now you look around. And we did something similar to, to like I was saying in my previous school, we was a four-man. We had a twist inside, and we just called it like a re-twist. We would go re-twist, and it was get off the ball. We was in two twos, and whichever way that center turned, now, whoever he turned to, you got our penetrators off his butt, and you got the looper. So it wasn't just a, you know, you going first, you know, you going second. We just kind of read it. Uh, I like that. I like that. Coach, Coach Robinson, I, I saw your, your question pop in, and I think he started to talk about it. Um, you know, is there, is, it, 
is there more that you're wanting to hear? You know, at at this point, or you know, we we can you know be a little bit more lax, and and you know, if you guys want to unmute yourselves, um, you know, just be mindful of of everybody else's um, and not talking over each other. But you know, Coach Coach Robinson asked, how do you teach your stick one gap movements? What are your aiming points when moving? Um, so I'll let you kind of take that one, Coach Bryant. Um, cause that came in as you were talking. So I don't know if it was directly related to, to you or, or just in general. So just if I'm running with my five technique coming inside, we're, we're basically, if that's what he's asking, uh, if he's talking about the stick one gap. Yeah, I, I think that's what he's asking. Uh, basically we still just teaching our guys shoulder to shoulder, but it still go back to that see it, feel it. I'm coming in. If I'm if I'm a five and we're 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 sticking, we've got some stunts where we long stick all the way to the A gap, but we might just be running a little slant to the B gap. We're we we shoulder to shoulder. Everything I tell my guys. So if I'm five, I'm going basically to a four eye, and I got my eyes inside, so looking for anything. So I'm basically feeling the tackle, but I'm seeing what's down the line of scrimmage. I'm looking at that guard through that guard on down the line of scrimmage. Because like I say, most of the time is. We come across a lot of teams that if I'm, it just so happened, if I'm slanting inside, that guard's going up to the back here, that, that tackle's leaving me alone and you're stuck there. And they go back to what we was talking about uh, earlier when we was talking about spilling it. And so now you have to get there, get my other side, and you got to keep running down that line and long one. So my thing, when I, going back to this question, basically what I'm doing, I'm coming shoulder to shoulder, I'm still feeling that tackle, but I'm reading and looking at that guard. If that answers his question. I got it. Awesome. Um, well, gentlemen, I really appreciate everybody for taking the time. Uh, the panelists, uh, I know Coach OG had to, had to bounce out. Um, but uh, just in closing remarks, man, you know, I, I told the guys in our kind of pre-meeting, you know, th this is a uh, this is just a personal quest of knowledge for me, and that's kind of why I started this disruption chat. Um, and, and like Coach Bryant said. Um, you know, if I had the keys to success, why wouldn't I make copies for everybody? So none of this, none of the knowledge that I'm consuming is mine. It's it's everybody else's that they're willing to share. So I'm just trying to provide a vehicle or a platform for other people to learn from. So I really appreciate all you guys for supporting the chat, for for being willing to uh, to talk ball. Um, you know, I know we all are competitors. We all want to win, uh, but ultimately, I, I think we can all walk away from here tonight having at least one or two nuggets uh, that, that we can, you know, take into this coming season, uh, you know, cause I, I believe we're going to have one. I'm going to, I'm going to hold the faith that we're going to have one coach Taylor. Yeah. Just to, just to uh, echo what coach Noonan said, I really enjoyed it. And, and when we first kind of kicking, started kicking this idea around, uh, I was just really, really excited about it and, and kind of the same thing. Um, you know, the reason why he started his, his, you know, Twitter chat is the same reason why I started a podcast, uh, just because I felt like, you know, I love listening to podcasts and, and, and talking ball, but you know, for every podcast you can find out out there about, you know, freaking running mesh routes and air raid stuff. You can't find anything on, on defense and, and, and more importantly on defensive line play. So, um, I, I just, you know, and I, I guess try to find a way to, to maybe fill that void. And there's a lot of great resources out there for defensive line coaches. Coach Nunes chat is one of them. Uh, Craig Rowe on Twitter has a, a lot of great stuff, D-line vids. And, and so I'm just glad to, to play a small role in that. And, 
And, um, you know, uh, and no, no, uh, I just really appreciate Coach Clark, especially, and Coach Martin and Coach O'Gwen for, you know, they, they've helped me out twice now being on this chat and then also coming on the podcast and sharing some of their knowledge there. And then uh, obviously I've known Coach Milby for a long time and appreciate him. And, and, uh, and then, of course, of course, Coach Bryant, who I think we're going to have to get on the podcast, Coach Bryant. Well, I, I'll hit you up and uh, we'll have to get you on there. And uh, anyway, just appreciate you guys being a part of it because, um, you know, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have been any fun without, without, without you guys coming in and, and uh, asking questions and, and being a part of it. Big shout out. I want to I give a couple shout outs real quick. First of all, my man, Coach Tino Acosta from, from Iowa Park, every week he emails me and tells me something he likes about, uh, about the podcast. And, and so I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate Coach Acosta and his encouragement. And then my man, Coach Randall, uh, you know, everybody knows him as Coach Randall. I know him as Coach Big Weight. He was a graduate assistant at Harding University where I went to school. And uh, he's, uh, he, he's, he's also a guy who's on the podcast, and he's on here tonight. So I want to give him a shout-out as well. So uh, thank you, all you guys, for coming on. Thanks once again to Coach Noonan, Coach Bryant, Coach Milby, Coach Clark, Coach Martin, and Coach O'Gwen for making our Disrupt the Paths roundtable discussion such a great success. Be sure to give those guys a follow on Twitter. You can find all of their Twitter handles and emails in the show notes of today's episode, as well as the video link to today's episode. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at KYPD Podcast. And if you're liking what you are hearing, give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and help us spread the word about our podcast here. Uh, the month of July was our second best month ever as far as downloads go. So thank you guys for listening in each week and for telling your friends all about us. Our quote of the day is this. Ships are safe in the harbor, but that's not what they were built for. And that's a wrap for us this week. Subscribe now and join us back next week for episode number 72 of KYPD. Bring the juice wherever you are this week. And, dude, keep your pads down. 